Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we become keenly aware of how our lenses may be tinted as we navigate the impact personal experiences can have on our perspectives. Which tint are you viewing your world through? Rose? Violet? Jaded? Mirrored? Maybe you aren't even aware that the lines you draw in the sand were actually started and passed down by someone else. Not unlike limiting beliefs, our perception of any situation is subject to ideas we formulated long before challenges arose. The good news is, as we accumulate more experiences, our perspectives can evolve. And if we're open to digging into the discovery process to identify the level of tint we're dealing with, we have the opportunity to push back on outdated beliefs and embrace new ideas and opinions. So whether your head is stuck in the sand, in the clouds, or between a rock and a hard place, there is always wiggle room. What typically stands in our way? Of course, ourselves. We tend to defend beliefs taking opposing ideas to the mat. Why is that? Age-old question without a clear answer. People like to be right, and they generally pick through ideas, clinging to the ones that support how they feel instead of challenging what they think. So hang in there. I'm not here to challenge you toe-to-toe. Just ask you to be open to understanding yourself better and be curious to learn more. Hanan Parvez gets us started with how our past experiences shape our personality, found at psychmechanics.com. Our beliefs and needs are the strongest factors that govern our behavior. Ultimately, it all comes down to beliefs because a need is also a belief that we might be lacking. When we're born, our brains aren't fully developed. We're ready to collect information from our environment and form beliefs based on that information. We're ready to form those neural connections that are going to guide us for the rest of our lives. If you've carefully observed a child grow, then you know what I'm talking about. A child absorbs information from its environment so fast and at such a high rate that by age six, thousands of beliefs form in its mind. Beliefs that will help the child interact with the world. The beliefs we form in our childhood and early teens form our core beliefs. They're the strongest factors that influence our personality. But that doesn't mean that we're stuck with them. They are hard to change, but not impossible. The beliefs that we form later on in life are comparatively less rigid and can be changed without much effort. So how do we go about changing our beliefs? The first step is to become conscious of the beliefs that are shaping your personality. Once you've identified them, then you need to dig into your past and understand why you formed these beliefs. This is the hard part. The process of formation of beliefs happens unconsciously, and that's why we feel powerless before them. But once we make the unconscious conscious, we start gaining real power. 
Identifying the beliefs that you want to change and understanding how you form them is enough for you to break free from their clutch and not let them control your behavior. Awareness is like a fire that melts away everything. Try understanding it this way. Suppose you performed poorly at work this month and this disappointed your boss. He wants you to make amends in the coming month. But he doesn't give you any performance report and doesn't point out in any way what needs to be fixed. Will you be able to fix anything if you don't know what went wrong? Absolutely not. You need to know what went wrong in order to fix it. In addition to that, you need to know how and why it went wrong. Same as in the case of human behavior. Unless you understand the underlying mechanism of your behavior, you won't be able to change it. In order to illustrate how our past experiences, especially childhood, result in the formation of beliefs and strongly affect our behavior, let me give you a few examples. An abused child forms a belief that they are less worthy than others because of what they went through. So they're very likely to have low self-esteem and live with shame during adult life. They may therefore become a shy person. The youngest child in a family receives a lot of attention from everyone around them. And so they develop a need to always be the center of attention. As an adult, they may become very showy, successful, or a famous person just to remain at the center of attention. A girl whose father abandoned her and her mother may form a belief that men cannot be trusted. So as an adult, she might find it very hard to trust any man and may have problems forming an intimate relationship with a guy. She might end up sabotaging every relationship she gets into without knowing why. A boy who always felt financially insecure as a child because his parents always worried about money may develop a strong need to become rich. He may become very ambitious and competitive. If he fails to meet his financial goals, he may become severely depressed. A child who is bullied in school may develop a need to become strong and therefore they might become very interested in martial arts or bodybuilding. If you interview gym addicts, you'll find that most of them were either bullied as children or were involved in a physical fight before. Very few do it just to improve their body image. Because of the experiences that people go through in life, they develop certain deep-seated beliefs, needs, and ways of thinking. In order to fulfill their needs, they develop certain personality traits. They might not be aware of the reason why they have the certain personality traits, but their mind is working in the background, continually seeking ways to satisfy its needs. Contrary to popular belief, we can train ourselves to develop any kind of personality that we want. You might like some of the personality traits that your past has bestowed upon you, but you can always change the ones you don't like by changing the beliefs that are associated with those traits. Have you ever said, I sound just like my mother? 
Or maybe your significant other has said that to you. You sound just like your mother or you're just like your father. You act just like your father. Where does this come from? Well, of course, it comes from modeling as a child. So we are like sponges for ideas and opinions. And as we just learned in that last article, we form a lot of opinions before the age of six. So think about that now when you think about your childhood and what you grew up around. If you think back to the way your parents thought, how did that shape the way that you think? Politically, are you aligned? Spiritually? Maybe when it comes to different people, different job types, different areas of the world, different activities, hobbies, or extracurriculars. What about family feuds? Sometimes those family feuds can be passed down from generation to generation, and you don't even know what we're fighting about. We don't like her. Why? I don't know. We just don't. Nobody's liked her. Think back to some of the ideas you picked up as a child. What about character traits? What have you adopted? Now for me, I was always told, you're so loud. You talk so much. (laughs) How many of you have heard that over your lifetime? What about more negative ones? Like, you're not very smart. You're fat. You're not going to amount to much. You're not very good at that sport. Nobody in our family knows how to play musical instruments, so I'm sure you don't either. We're just not very musical. None of us can sing, so why try? Many of these labels happen as children, and then we carry those into adulthood. If we never push back on them, then that's just who we are. I'm a loud talker. But now, as I push back to that and also having years in sales, (laughs) so I use it to my advantage, but now I'm kind and I'm encouraging and I may still talk a lot, but I'm also a good listener. You have to start creating your own ideas and your own mantras. And that only happens when you're able to push back first on all of these ideas and be honest with what no longer fits you. What have you grown out of? What was wrong from the beginning? What was just a label that might have started out just to be funny or in the result of someone else's insecurity that stuck? What ideas can you drop this year to make room for new ideas? Dr. Elisa Barbesh shares some insight on perspective, the difference maker in memories and experiences found at psychologytoday.com. Many of us have heard of this scenario. A car accident happens in a busy intersection surrounded by pedestrians. Depending on the corner where each pedestrian stood, bystander statements regarding how the accident transpired may be different. What we're talking about here is perspective. How you perceive a person, event, or situation dictates your perspective. Related to perspective is perception which is notoriously referred to as one's truth, as in the saying, perception is reality. And this saying is largely true. Perspective is your point of view, while perception is what you interpret from our five senses to form your reality, and thereby your point of view. 
Why is this important? Perspective is the main factor in determining how an event resonates with you, how you feel about a situation, and how you will remember what happened. There are many examples of how perspective is present within our daily lives. Take, for example, this situation. Your boss calls you into their office and you quickly realize this is not for a brief question. Rather, you're being provided with unscheduled feedback about your recent performance on a project. Your boss delivers the feedback through the use of the sandwich approach, meaning giving you positive feedback, then negative or constructive criticism, which again depends on perspective, followed by something positive. There are several ways you may walk away from this situation. A, you only hear your boss's positive feedback and walk away feeling proud and appreciated. B, you only hear your boss's negative feedback and take the feedback as that, negative. Instead of viewing the feedback as constructive with the intention of helping you to improve on, let's say, a specific work habit, you feel ridiculed and judged and devalued. C, you hear both the positive and negative feedback and are left feeling confused and uncertain about how to proceed in the project. Or D, you hear both the positive and constructive feedback and walk out of their office feeling accomplished, but particularly motivated to improve in the area where constructive feedback was provided. In all these takeaways, the actual content of the feedback from your boss is unchanged but how you react to the conversation is entirely dependent on your perspective, how you perceive the interaction and the content shared. So what creates perspective? Perspective varies from person to person. Similar to the scenario with the car accident bystander reports, each person carries with them their own reasoning as to why something happened the way that it did and the meaning behind it. How perspective varies from person to person is dependent on a multitude of factors, all of which can likely be named. However, some notable elements that create perspective differences include your previous experiences, values, beliefs, and morals. A commonality among all these factors is that they are not innate, but rather they're a result of nurture. Likewise, perspective is a result of nurture. The situations you've previously encountered, as well as how those situations were managed, have a significant impact on your perspective for all similar or related situations that follow. Take, for example, the parent who rushes to their child's side when the child falls down and lightly bangs their knee. This teaches the child that falling down and banging their knee is deserving of immediate attention, urgency, and maybe even panic. On the other hand, the parent who encourages their child to get back up and doesn't overly react teaches a child that falling down is not a major upset and that they're capable of getting back up and moving on fairly quickly. While these events seem insignificant, important messages and lessons are being formulated for the child and have a tremendous impact on how this individual reacts to minor upsets later in life. Perspective is often the result of your own experiences and how they have shaped your approach to yourself, others, and the world. What about values, beliefs, and morals? 
these three related but distinct components of the self are strongly connected to perspective. If you believe that lying is not a problematic behavior, you're probably not as likely to feel slighted after learning that your best friend knowingly didn't tell you the truth. On the other hand, if you were raised to believe or learn that 100% truthfulness is crucial to living a life of integrity, your reaction to your friend's lie would probably be significant. Here are some more examples. You're at a party and you see a person across the room that you find attractive. If you believe it is generally easy to go up to someone you don't know, in which case you actually probably don't think twice about doing so, you will quite easily make your way over and start up a conversation. Conversely, if you believe going up to others whom you don't know is awkward and embarrassing, you're likely to remain where you are and pass up a potential opportunity. If you believe that it's important to live with someone before you marry and you value the opportunity to get to know your partner in this way before making a bigger commitment, you will perhaps happily and excitedly move in with your partner. Conversely, if you believe that it's immoral or wrong to live together before marriage, you're likely to be upset or concerned at your partner's suggestion of doing so. What you believe in, what you consider right and wrong, and what matters to you in life are all crucial elements of forming a perspective. One of the most important and helpful aspects of psychotherapy is the opportunity to gain greater open-mindedness, awareness, and to consider alternative perspectives. When your therapist presents an alternative perspective to a situation, it's only as useful as your willingness to consider it. While therapists, of course, have their own unique backgrounds, values, beliefs, and morals, They are trained in objectively assessing situations in order to be as impartial as possible. If you sincerely want to make changes in your life, it's important to understand where your perspective comes from, but to also work on identifying and considering alternative perspectives. And this is important as perspective determines your reality, how an event resonates with you, how you feel about a situation, and how you will remember what happened. One of the biggest factors that determines how an event impacts you is how you perceive that event. This is especially true of trauma. Trauma often happens in response to events that are perceived as life or body threatening, or after witnessing someone else's life be threatened or taken in a violent or shocking way. Psychological trauma often relies on a person's subjective experience of an event and to what extent they believe their life, bodily integrity, or psychological well-being was threatened. This is why individuals can experience similar situations or perhaps even share the same experience and walk away having totally different reactions and impacts on their life. This is one of the most important reasons as to why some veterans walk away from a combat deployment and eventually develop PTSD, while others are not as impacted by the events. Further, the three gold standard evidence-based treatments, cognitive processing therapy, prolonged exposure, and EMDR for PTSD not only include exposure exercises, but target the individual's belief. 
by helping them to consider alternative perspectives based on facts. The hope? If you're struggling with ruminating persistent thoughts or find yourself unable to view a situation in your life differently, know that it often takes assistance from a trained professional to gain insight and learn how to make cognitive changes. This is a particular set of skills that doesn't come naturally, but that can be learned and can make an incredible difference in how you approach your problems in life. I firmly believe that you can't change a person. With that said, I think everyone can shift their perspective. You know, we're all born with somewhat quirks and traits. Some of those things, as we've learned, get handed down to us, and some are just inherent. It's just the way that we were born. I talk a lot. I've always talked a lot. I know I've said it before. My first grade teacher put on my report card, she talks more than I do, and I teach the class. I always got an E in conduct. But that doesn't mean that I'm defined by that and that I can't possibly learn anything new. A trait refers to a characteristic that is caused by genetics, like blue eyes or blonde hair, which you can change as well. A quirk is defined as an idiosyncrasy of behavior, a mannerism. Perspectives can shift with time, age, experience, and just an enlightening thought. I remember going to therapy and hearing my thoughts mirrored back to me. I really never thought about it that way, and so many of us don't. We just say what's on our mind or say what's been planted there decades and decades earlier. But with a slight shift, just a bare minimum turn, it can open up a whole new way of thinking. If you're willing to listen and you're willing to explore, don't be so close-minded. Don't be shut off to new ideas and opinions, whether that's something that you're hearing in someone else or when we're talking directly to you. Maybe your thoughts and ideas have been taken and shifted in a wrong direction, a more negative direction based on some experiences that you've been through. Be open to that slight shift and embracing new ideas. Maya Angelou said, If you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. Amaya Price shares her own story with it's all about perception. You can look through the lens of love or fear found at tidybuddha.com. Gabrielle Bernstein said, we are not responsible for what our eyes are seeing. We're responsible for how we perceive what we're seeing. One of the things I love about this journey of personal growth is that we get to learn the same lessons over and over again until they finally sink in on a visceral level. I love it when I hear or read the same insights repeatedly from various sources and at different stages along my path. Amaya said, recently, at a low point in my life, I re-encountered this fundamental teaching in Gabrielle Bernstein's book, The Universe Has Your Back. Every single situation, thing, and person in our lives may be seen through one of two lenses, the lens of fear or the lens of love. These are profoundly different ways to view the exact same circumstances. 
Nothing on the outer level has to change for you to experience a radical shift in perception. You simply have to change the lens you're looking through. Amaya said, when I read this, I realized that I'd been caught in a downward spiral of negative thinking. Yes, seemingly bad things have been happening in my life recently, but was it true that I had no choice but to feel bad about them? As an experiment, I decided to try describing my current life and circumstances from each perspective. This is how things looked through the lens of fear. Amaya said, I am a woman in deep middle age, alone and completely without romantic prospects. My financial situation is dire. I do almost nothing that is fun or exciting. I work an unskilled job and fritter away the rest of my time without meaning or purpose. It isn't pretty, is it? I challenged myself to be brutally honest, knowing that what isn't acknowledged can't be changed. No wonder I had been feeling hopeless and depressed, with this story running through the back of my mind. Just reading it makes me want to crawl under a rock. Here is a look at my life through the lens of love. I am learning all the time and I'm deeply engaged in understanding life and growing as a person. I'm a great mom. I have a wonderful nurturing relationship with my daughter, and I'm actively supporting her growing into independence. I'm helping my parents make an important transition. I'm nurturing my relationships with my siblings and friends. I help and inspire many people through my writing and coaching. I have prospects of financial security through multiple avenues. I'm healthy and young looking, a loving, kind, and fun person who attracts others easily. I really enjoy my work and my colleagues. I live in a cute apartment in a fun and vibrant neighborhood. My present is meaningful and my future is bright and full of hope. That feels so much better. Same life different lens. Nothing changed on the outside, but everything changed on the inside. You can do this exercise with literally anything or anyone. Amaya said, I even tried it on my ex-husband, who's been at the root of many of my recent troubles. Here he is through the eyes of fear. He is a total loser and impossible to work with. He's selfish and uninvolved. He'll never learn or change. I'm powerless to remove myself from this situation. And here, through the lens of love, he's scared and feels bad about himself. He doesn't know how to take responsibility, so he lashes out at others instead. He feels out of control and thinks he has no choice but to do what he's doing. I'm learning tons through this experience. This exercise probably won't change my ex-husband, and it doesn't make me feel all warm and fuzzy about him, but it does help me feel less triggered by his behavior and is thus more likely to contribute to a positive outcome. At the very least, it simply feels better to think this way, and that's worth a lot. of something in your life that you might be seeing through the lens of fear. Try describing it in all its negative glory. Don't hold back. This is not the time to be enlightened. 
you want to really know what story is running the show. Acknowledge that on some level, at least some of the time, this feels like the truth to you. Then do the opposite. What does it look like through the eyes of love? What's the most positive spin you can put on the situation? And don't make anything up. This is not an exercise in fantasizing or sugarcoating. This is not about talking yourself into believing that something or someone that's bad for you is actually good. Instead, it's about trusting that even the worst situations hold the seeds of good, if only for the learning they bring about. It's looking for the silver lining, choosing to see yourself as a hero rather than a victim. We can choose between these two feelings, but it's a choice that must be made multiple times a day. Fear is a habit that takes sustained effort to conquer. What helps me is to remember that it doesn't matter how many times I fall off the beam as long as I get back on it. One of my teachers often quotes the Course in Miracles, I choose wrongly, but I choose again. Gabrielle Bernstein says that a measure of our progress is how quickly we realize when we're out of alignment with love and make the choice to realign with it. Though we'll never be completely free of fear, we can learn to quickly return to love. You know, it's tempting to think that we have to wait for something external to change before we can feel good, but it's incredibly freeing to realize that we have the power to change our feelings by changing our perception and choosing to look through the lens of love. You might be quick with your responses and your reactions. And it might come from a place of hurt. So immediately you're defensive. You might look at someone, maybe someone's not talking to you right now, and immediately you take it personally. Instead of looking through the lens of love and thinking about what do they have going on in their life right now? Maybe instead of me feeling sorry for myself, I should reach out to them in a loving way to see what's going on in their life. It's difficult not to take things personally, but everyone is dealing with something. And because you're dealing with things and you react to things in maybe a a wrong way or a not ideal way, let's say, think about everyone else. Why wouldn't they be struggling with the same perception? So dig a little bit deeper. Don't leave it with what's said or what it looks like today. When you have that negative thought or when you're taking something personally, write it down. Reframe it. Look at how you might be able to change that based on the examples we already talked about and change it into a frame and a lens of love. How does that impact the situation differently? Does it open up a new way of thinking of that? Past experiences play a pivotal role in shaping our perspectives of ourselves and the world around us. We've already discovered that. So I wanted to give you several ways in which this happens so that you can really connect the context. Number one, formation of beliefs and values. Our past experiences contribute to the development of our belief systems and values. Positive experiences may reinforce certain beliefs, while negative experiences can challenge or alter them. Number two, cognitive filters. Past experiences 
act as cognitive filters through which we interpret new information. These filters influence how we perceive events, people, and situations, often leading to biased interpretations based on past encounters. Number three, emotional imprints. Emotional experiences leave imprints on our memory and influence our emotional responses to similar situations in the future. Traumatic events, for example, can create lasting emotional associations that impact our reactions. Number four, self-identity. Personal experiences contribute to the formation of our self-identity. Successes, failures, and significant life events shape how we perceive ourselves, influencing our self-esteem and our self-worth. Number five, cultural and social context. Past experiences with cultural and social contexts shape our worldview. Cultural upbringing, societal norms, and shared experiences with others contribute to the lens through which we view the world. Number six, learning and adaptation. Experiences provide opportunities for learning and adaptation. Positive experiences may reinforce certain behaviors, while negative experiences prompt adjustments in behavior to avoid similar outcomes. Number seven, memory biases. Our memories are not always an accurate representation of past events. Memory biases can distort our recollection, leading to a selective and subjective interpretation of our experiences. So spend some time there. When you first recall a memory, don't immediately rely on that as fact. Sit with those memories. Look at it from all angles. Remember the car wreck? People on every corner can see it a little bit differently, and so your lens can shift. Number eight, perspective shifts over time. As we accumulate more experiences, our perspective can evolve. What once seems significant or insurmountable may take on a different meaning as we gain new insights and learn from additional life events. You are growing and learning, and those perspectives will shift as you take on new ideas, create different connections, and have new experiences. Stay with it, and remember, it's a journey. share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, this is the time to explore how your past experiences have shaped your perspective allowing you to be more aware of any biases and preconception that may be holding you back. Open the door to personal growth, empathy, and a more nuanced understanding of yourself and the world. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. 
Different points of view, but that.